What's up, y'all? This is your girl Jasmine, and this is your daily dose of slay. And you are tuned into the number one podcast for my ratchet professionals, my educated gangsters, and my corporate savages. So stay tuned, get ready to laugh, and get ready to hear some real shit. Let's go. This episode is sponsored by this bakery by my house that is literally the best bakery ever. I wish I could actually like say its name, but it's it's just called bakery. But shout out to them. It's on 116 between 3rd and Lex, and they are mad good. You got to check it out. This Daily Dose of Slay goes out to all the fly weather girls because, first off, they just fly. But you know what? I like. I really thought they were meteorologists and not just people that reported the weather. So I'm like, damn, you know, all these educated, beautiful women. I support this. I love it. But they're they're not meteorologists. They just... um. They just support the weather, so that kind of hurt me. But shout out to them anyways, because they doing the damn thing. What's up, you guys? I'm here with my girl, Elizabeth Angeles. Hey, Jasmine. What's good? This podcast is going to be all about the greater good, and she is here to talk to us about preparedness and about the upcoming hurricane and how to help people that are going to be impacted by this. So just a little bit about her. She's from the LES. Ow, ow. But she in the Bronx now, you know, VX all day. Um, And she's been working in the emergency management field for three years. Some things that she's worked on is PR. So she was deployed a week after the hurricane hit. She was also part of the response team for the Chelsea bombings that happened in 2016. And recently, she was part of the steam explosion, the team that went to go see what is up that happened in the Flatiron District. Um, and she also went to Columbia. So, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into all that good shit, you know? Thanks, Jasmine. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to be here today and chat with you. Um... And I'm just honored that, you know, to be able to talk about some of the work that I've done over the past couple of years. Yes, great work. Um, clearly, you know, people think about hurricanes and preparedness when it's all over the news. And unfortunately, that's that's often when it's too late. You know, hurricane season starts June 1st. Atlantic hurricane season starts June 1st and it's November 30th. So it's pretty long. Um, we're well into the season now here in September. And as most of us know, Florence is all over the news. Um, evacuation orders for the Carolinas, Virginia, South Carolina should also be prepared. Um, so I'd love to just take this chance to share a little bit about what people can do to help in disasters generally. I've, I learned a lot from my deployment in Puerto Rico um, and seeing some of the things that went bad. You know, sometimes people try to help and it can actually cause negative consequences mm-hmm. um, and do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, I could just talk a little bit about how to be prepared here in New York City um, with with what I learned. Uh, before I get into that, um, if people want to learn more about this after the podcast. Yes, of course. Plug it. <laughs> feel free to uh, check out my website, elizabethangeles.com. It's just my first name, last name, dot com. Um, and that really was started and inspired by my experience in Puerto Rico last September. Nice. So make sure you guys go check it out. Hear all about Puerto Rico, especially for my fellow Puerto Ricans. Like, just see what's up with the island. And definitely stay tuned to hear about Florence and preparedness and what we could do to help. So I guess just starting off, it's supposed to be like this biggest storm. And I, I did see the news clip where the guy was like, you are going to die if you're here. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put that in here because the way he said it was really funny. And I feel bad for laughing. He should have never said it that way though. It could have been worded differently. You know what I'm saying? Yes. This moves twenty miles to the west, and you and everyone you know are dead. All of you. Because you can't survive it. It's not possible unless you're very, very lucky. And your kids died too. Like he could have been like there would be great fatalities, like make sure you get out. But no, he was just like, you're going to die. Well, do you think the message got across? Oh, I think the message got across. But at the same time, I mean, you ever seen that meme where it's like, if you really want people to evacuate, call it like Deathtron 3000. Like just rename the hurricane to something crazy so that people really get it. But, you know, I think the message got across and I hope I hope it got across because if it didn't, then I don't know what they're doing, right. but definitely got across. So, okay. So let's just start off with what are some things that... Um, people do wrong after, you know, a disaster strikes and they really want to help out. You know, with Puerto Rico, I know like J-Lo, Mark Anthony, so many celebrities have been like, hey, you know, donate here to this organization, yes. donate to, to mine, here's this website. And people just get so confused. They really don't know what to do, where to send money, or if they have clothes or things like that, they're not sure where to send it. So yeah. what's like the first step to figuring out where you should send your money yeah so so the first step and you said it it's money if you can give money that's better than giving in kind um and i know that's a tough message to sell because um it just feels good when you give something tangibly and you donate that item it feels good when you Mm -hmm. give that up um, but the truth is that money can go a much longer way than physical goods mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. And Puerto Rico um, was just one of many. In, in the emergency response field, we say that donations are the second disaster. And that's because people decide that it's their time to go in their closet and pull out used items that they just don't need anymore. And frankly, like some of that stuff is not helpful in emergency. So, mm-hmm. for example, people sent... And I kid you not, like winter coats to Puerto Rico to help support That's crazy. people who were affected by the hurricane. That is not helpful. This, it's 100 degrees over there, y'all. Stop it. It's not helpful. Yeah. So They could have sold that coat on eBay <laughs> and then sent the money they got from yeah, eBay. And there are plenty of organizations here in New York City or elsewhere that will accept that stuff, like Goodwill or mm-hmm. Salvation Army. Exactly. So it can go somewhere. You don't need to wait for the disaster to strike for a hurricane to give out that stuff. Um, on top of that, when you give stuff, it takes a long time to package it. Someone has to be paid to package, source, deliver that material. So it's costly it's to costly. even donate clothing. They have to they have to go through it, see if it's relevant, see if it's not. Um, and then in the case of Puerto Rico, people, you know, you have to put it in a ship, cargo, like that takes right. time. By the time it gets there, um, it might not be needed anymore. So the example is... You know, even if you donate something that is needed at the time of, like baby wipes or diapers Mm -hmm. um, or let's say water. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing in Puerto Rico. By the time it gets to Puerto Rico, some of the local infrastructure that could provide water is already up and running. And Got now you, you have, are giving free water. So the local businesses are now uh, not able to sell their water, which Ooh. would have helped per, lo, like stimulate the local economy. But wow. Now, I would have never thought about that. And now you're actually doing more harm than good because now people are just waiting for the free water. Not that that's bad, but if the local economy can provide it, that's what recovery is. Recovery mm-hmm. is getting the, the, the community back to normal. Back to where it was, exactly. 
Um, on top of that, it in the case of Puerto Rico, unfortunately, and um, we saw this after Sandy too, it clogs a lot of ports. It clogs. Um, so, so instead of medical supplies coming in, the ports were clogged with like water and diapers and other things that people decided they wanted to send. Why did they send everything? I mean, this is yeah. probably like minutia question. <laughs> well, why, why did they ship everything by boat? Why not just fly in medical supplies? Well, that's depending on who is sending it, right? Like think about like local nonprofits. If they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll take it, bring it through this means. I think people were eventually just uh, trying to get stuff there, however means possible. Um, and and some of it was by boats. Enough Got of it, it was by boat that it was um, clogging the ports. Right. Um, the federal government and the local government try to coordinate that as well. But, uh, you know, there's, yeah. there are challenges with that. Right. Um, but even in general, I mean, not just Puerto Rico, but even after Sandy and other disasters across the Hurricane Katrina, like people always decide to come out and give physical things. And money is really the best way to go. Right now, the challenge that people have, especially with uh, so many scandals is, OK, I want to give money, but I want to give it to the right organization. Right. How do you find out where to give it? So the best thing to do is to. Give it to an organization that has existed and has cared about the community that you're giving to before the disaster started. Don't give it to an organization that just popped up because of this disaster. The little asterisk to that is like some of these celebrity <laughs> organizations where you would think that they're more vetted. So you could use your discretion on that. Right. But don't give it to like a local nonprofit that decided to like pop up from the disaster. Right. The key is... You know, there's no hard and fast rule, but the key is you want to give it to an organization or a structure or people that are invested in the community and will be for the long term. They were there before. That means they're likely to be there after. Mm -hmm. You know what this reminds me of? No, that's definitely helpful. It reminds me of this. It's crazy how my train of thought works. But you know how like in the God's Plan music video, Drake was like giving money to people in their hands. I feel like a lot of times when people donate to organizations, like, yes, they use the money to help people, but nothing is better than money literally in someone's hand. So are there any organizations where people can go to to actually get money? Where people could be like, you know, I, I want to help an actual family. Like, I, I don't know who they are. So what organization can I give it to? They're going to give out checks. It sounds like too good to be true, <laughs> but like. Why, why don't you think that exists if it doesn't? So I, I could follow up on that. But Steph, but well, one of the challenges with that is that in a disaster, often money, you you can't use money uh, like as an individual. But if you ha give it to an organization, the organization is supposed to be able to create the infrastructure for the people to use the money. Does that make sense? So like if your supermarkets are down mm -hmm. or you're, there's no food coming in, like in Puerto Rico, like... You, there is no water to buy. Even if you had all the money in the world, you still have to wait on that gas line. Got you. Um, so the point is you need to give it to an organization that's going to provide the fuel or that's going to help um, restock the goods that right. are needed. So, so that's where it gets tricky. And emergencies are all about like resource management. Um, and so it's like if you have the means to stock and this is going to get into a little bit of like the preparedness stuff and why it's so important for people to listen mm -hmm. because if you have the means to get out when they told when you know warning said get out or to stockpile meaning to put stuff in your fridge and mm -hmm. buy a bunch of stuff and bunker it at get home, your hands yeah <laughs> if you can do that then you free up government resources that are 
first responders and able to help the people that couldn't do that. Right. And the people that couldn't do that are often people with no money, with no car, with no other family outside of their community. With no means of actually getting that done. That's the vulnerable people, like our low income, you know. So basically, if you're going to be a vulnerable person, make sure that you are rightfully a vulnerable person. Like you're old and prickety. But if you are young and able-bodied, go out there and be prepared and do what you need to do so that that way you're not using resources that could go for someone that needs it more. I couldn't have said it better. And that's Completely just makes sense. because it's not just about you. People don't it's be not like, about I'll you. be fine. I'm in a bunker here. I'm just not going to listen. It's overblown. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize that by you putting yourself at risk, you're taking the life of someone else. Wow. There's a guilt trip for y'all. That's crazy. Yeah, it's that's so true, true, though. That's really true. That's messed up. Yeah, like, you believe the hype. Even if it's yeah. not true at the end. What if Florence that's another down? Thing. Like, just believe the just hype. Just believe the hype. Like, best case scenario, your house is stocked with food forever. There's, no, there's nothing bad that can happen from being prepared. So, 100%. everyone should just be prepared. It's a practice run for the next exactly. time. Exactly. You know that here in New York, before Sandy, mm-hmm. there was a false alarm with Irene. Government was like, Irene is coming. You guys have right. to evacuate. You have it to ended go. up being like a little tropical storm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, when Sandy came and they said the same thing, people were like, I'm not listening this time. Right. And it was a mistake. And you were swimming through the LES, weren't you? <laughs> I remember the LES was crazy was flooded. Bad. I was at Columbia, so I was fine. Yeah, same. Um, no, yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel that 100%. So, okay, just to recap really quickly. Give to organizations that are already established and be prepared by helping yourself. Yes. Because if you help you, then no one else has to help you. Yes. So just help yourself. So aside from those two things, is there anything else that we should be telling our families that may be in these areas? So so there's a couple things, right? You, you make a plan and that that's whether they're in these areas now where they have to exercise their plan or you're in New York or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, where you ha- You should make a plan. You should know where you're going to meet your family. You should have phone numbers written down. Um, you should have a out, out of state contact because it helps if phone lines are jammed oh, where wow. you are. Mm-hmm. If you call someone out of state, you could call, you know, if you have someone out of state, you could call someone out of state and the person out of state can call where you are. Wow. Like if the phone lines and you know, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Right? Sometimes everyone's yes. in one area. You so, can't call out, but you could get a call. Yes. So that's, that's a good, just pro tip there. Um, with respect to, uh, people evacuating and, and Florence, people should make sure that they're following legit channels to stay informed. Staying informed is super important and staying informed via like legit, uh, websites, websites and, and TV stations yes. and radio stations. Yes. Be- Don't go to the shade room. Yes. <laughs> because, uh, information changes quickly. And so if the storm right now, I think is projected to stay over, um, North Carolina for for a little while, you need to know, okay, where is it going to turn? Because right. if it's turning to where you evacuated to, you need to be able to be agile and move quickly. So um, getting the right information at the right time is critical. Which keeps, which reminds me, like get a little radio, yes. have some batteries, because what if your outlet doesn't work? Yes. You know, then Chargers. you have your little radio, have your charger, your go charger ready. Um, and if you have pets, have your little pet bag ready. Don't leave your babies behind. That makes you a terrible person. Yeah, you should have a bag for you and you should have a bag for your pets. You should have um, for your kids. Everyone should have their own bag. Bring games wherever you are. Make sure, you know, games that are not electronic. Oh, my God, yes. Um, it would suck to be, like, stuck in some shelter with kids that are not 
occupied. Good lord. I feel that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't love kids. And, and one more thing. Documents. If you have to start your life over, you need to be able to have your birth certificate, identification. You should have copies of that in a place that's stored mm-hmm. safely or just put it on your Google Drive. And if you are old and you don't have Google Drive, get a little Ziploc and, yes. ma- and make it happen. So I guess, you know, I kind of want to hear a little bit about some of the things you did. So like, tell me a little bit about Puerto Rico. Like, how was that? What are some things that you learned, some takeaways? And like, how do you apply that to upcoming disasters here in the States? Yeah, that's a great question. So for Puerto Rico, there's something we were deployed. It was a team of 10 of us. Um, My role was external affairs, so I worked a lot with the press office. We were there to support the Puerto Rico Emergency Management Agency, PRIMA, for short. Um, And basically what happened was they were having a joint field office with FEMA. So I was actually in the same room where Puerto Rico Emergency Management was with um, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and they had to coordinate. Uh, I was only there, I was there for two weeks, one week after the disaster struck. And one of the main things that I helped them do was uh, combat rumors that were spreading around the the islands, um, that were spreading around the island, uh, and work with them to kind of respond to that based on the information that I could get from the U.S. and see what Mm -hmm. the media was reporting that was accurate or inaccurate, so that Puerto Ricans could actually get the accurate resources that were right. available. Well, we were. What are some like some of the rumors? Just because you say that and I'm like, oh, what, what, what could that, that be? What does that mean? Um, so more things like gas stations that were were not open. Got it. Um, re- like were locations where goods were being um, handed out. So, so they may have had information that just actually wasn't helpful at all. Or somebody that. tweeted like where they got service, like, oh, this is where it's actually being held from and it right. was in another place or that it changed. Right. Um, okay. That's why I say information is very important. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is because of my sca- Spanish skills. Um, so I'm half Puerto Rican, half Dominican. Ow, um, and I was one of the only Spanish speakers on the team, unfortunately, but fortunately. Um, so I was able to bridge the gap between some of the FEMA representatives and the Puerto Rico Emergency Management Agency representatives. Honestly, just making sure they were all on the same page in the meetings. Right. Um, right. And, and that was very important. It's, you know, cultural differences. Of course. Um, a lot of the people at the Puerto Rico Emergency Management Agency were, were personally affected. So they were either like sleeping in their cars or, you know, dealing with their own family issues because their families and their homes were affected. And so here in New York, um, if something happens in New York, I'm responsible for helping coordinate all the agencies that would come to help. And so if my family were affected, of course, that's going to affect my job. Of course. So I totally understood where they were coming from. After helping people, especially actually we saw this with Puerto Rico, um, people show up without a mission. So they show up, just they take a flight. They're like, I want to help. And they show up. Oh my God, they show up with no intent. Exactly. Oh man, that wh- that's scary. <laughs> Do you just go walk around looking? Okay, where's the mess? So trust me, I understand. <laughs> like it's important to help, but you can, again, it's one of those things where you need to be personally prepared and you need to be plugged into an organization for a couple right. reasons. One, your safety, and two, yes, your safety. Yeah, <laughs> and two, you're actually providing more work for people if you're like, hi, I'm here with me myself or a group to come help. Let us yeah. know what you need. Because now you're making the people who have been affected figure out what to do with you. They will need to feed you, right? You're taking oh up my, resources they have to, feed to lodge you. you. So it's really important. If you do want to help, I'm all for volunteerism. But do it through an organization that you know, trust, and that you know what their needs are. And then so you're that actually you can meet qualified those. to meet those needs. And if you're exactly. not, find a friend who is. Exactly. 
Qualification is key. Are there any um, organizations like off the top of your head that you could recommend? Uh, for Puerto Rico in general? For, for anyone like that might want to just help anywhere. Just so like I know they've gotten a lot of shade recently, but at least in the greater New York chapter, American mm-hmm. Red Cross is a really, really valuable partner. I've seen them do a lot of great work. Um, something that I was also involved with here in New York City was after Hurricane Maria affected uh, Puerto Rico and obviously Harvey affected Texas last mm-hmm. year, Irma, Florida, New York City opened the service center, which is basically a place where any affected residents or evacuees uh, from those regions could come in and basically interact with city services and non-government services to get it all in. It's a one-stop shop to right. get any services, like if you have to reapply for food stamps, things like that. Mm-hmm. American Red Cross is a great partner in that service center and a couple of other service centers that we've been a part of. They have a great volunteer program. They do it all the time. They're one of those orgs that are, you know, that are reputable, have done it a long time. Um not to say there isn't room for improvement. I will say at least for the New York chapter, they, they do really good work and they were very helpful. A right. lot of the people that we saw there were people with disabilities, older folks that needed wheelchairs, and um, we couldn't have really, you know, we really relied on American Red Cross to help provide some of that stuff. Another org that I have to give a shout out to that was really critical for us at the service center and has done amazing work after Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico um, is NIDIS, New York Disaster Interfaith Services. They also did amazing work here in New York City after Sandy back in 2012 and continue to do amazing work for Puerto Rico now. Just speaking of Red Cross, why do you think they get such a bad rap like in other countries? They aren't given the praise that they think they deserve. I think it's people have high expectations as they should. And I can't speak to too much of their international work because I haven't really interacted with them on the international level. Um, But obviously there are political considerations that come into play with a lot of the work that you have to do internationally. Um, in addition to that, you know, I know for Haiti, for example, there, there was a lot of criticism with respect to like how many houses were built. Yeah, I heard um, it was some crazy low number, like five yeah, or something. Yeah, but I do think it's important to realize that, you know, look at where your donation is going. Are they promising that it's going to go into built infrastructure? Maybe that money was built, was, was um, taken to feed into the economy in other ways. Gotcha. And I think that often with emergencies, it's very it's seen as very black and white. It's like, how did you help, right? It's again, it goes back to these tangible takeaways. But there's so many ways to help with money aside from just building some physical thing. Yes. Got it. And that's it. what resilience is, right? It's how strong is your community. And it, there's it's not really a way to measure that, unfortunately, at this time. But it's about like how easily is your community able to bounce back. Right. And obviously that has to do with financial capital, but social capital. Mm-hmm. Like how money how many connections are people connected to government? Do people trust government? Right? right. If they don't, they're not gonna listen. And reliability, like how reliable are they? Right. And that that's like on a actual standpoint as like are you there? But also a moral standpoint. Yes. So yeah. it's complicated. I certainly have a lot to learn about that space as well. Right. Well, at least we know that Red Cross is doing well in New York. So definitely a good place to donate, at least for here, that we can definitely vouch for. Is there anything that I may not have asked that you want to let people know? I just want to stress that um, it's really important, especially if disaster relief is your thing, or even if your company is interested in getting involved in disaster relief, you know, I think people are paying more attention because climate change is real. Um, We're going to see more of these. I think it's really important to 
begin at the local level. So again, like it, it, it's it's easier if you're already connected to organizations, not just during the response phase. Um, in emergency management, there's four phases. It's not just response, even though I call response the sexy phase, because that's when <laughs> the politicians come out, the media comes out, but there's recovery. That's, you know, getting, getting the community back to, to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, you might argue it's the community shouldn't go back to normal. It should go back. It should be better than it was. Right. We see a lot of that conversation shifting for Puerto Rico. Um, but there's also preparedness. How are you taking the steps to make sure before the event happens that, that you're equipping communities with what they need? And I think that's a larger conversation about justice. Right. And that's how I see it all playing into um, to doing the right thing day in and day out and making sure that our systems are advocating for us because it's about resources and if you don't have resources before the emergency it's those same groups those same people that are doubly if not triply affected after any emergency right you know and i'm really happy you said that because i feel like a lot of people for the most part they see response as just that sexy phase yes like they don't see everything else that goes into it like it's such a multifaceted just dilemma that happens so therefore any response or help that comes after that, it's not just going to be black and white that way. So I definitely think that's an important key takeaway. Um, at least one of my key takeaways from just this whole conversation. Like it's not just about the one thing that you physically see. Yeah. Um, and it's civic engagement. If you're civically engaged and involved in your community now, just in general, it could be anything. Um, then you're more, you're more, you will be better equipped to face a disaster because you've been facing issues in your community before the right. disaster. Right. That's how I see it. That, I like that. So tell people again where they can find your website and also you've been blogging. Tell us a little Thanks. bit about that. Yeah. So it's elizabethangeles.com. I've been trying to post once a month just about, um, service oriented things. Uh, I'm a big believer that we all have something to give. We all have something to learn, and so I try to live through that through my my work, my trying to build my career around that. Um, it really, like I said before, started after Hurricane uh, Maria and my deployment to Puerto Rico. I wanted to share what was happening with that. There have been so many updates. I feel I can't even keep up, but, I, but I'm trying, and I'm trying to use my blogging as a way to share what other people are doing. Um, I've been talking to schools around New York City also to spread the message to students. Um, that's been that's been really great. I think it's it's more it's, it's a larger conversation again like I look at it not just about disasters but service, civic engagement and giving. Right. No, of course. Um, thank you so much for coming and teaching us about you know what you do and like things that people can do just to make sure that they're more prepared and are donating properly and making sure that people really get the help that they want to give out. I, you know, something you said about like building, building up the community just to be even better than it once was. And, you know, you mentioned like Puerto Rico, for example, just completely random. It popped into my head. Like I read this article about how some I don't know, just a bunch of rich people. (laughs) They want to build a crypto city Mm. in Puerto Rico. Yes. Have you heard about that? I vaguely, yes, I've read about. What do you think about that? Like, I'm very, I'm very torn. Like, there's a name for it. Yes. It's like just a whole like cryptocurrency city where everything is like only Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. And like half of me is like, wow, like that's amazing. That's so futuristic. Like, what if Puerto Rico is like on the beginning of this like completely new wave of money 
like long term, if this really works out, that could be like out of this world, amazing yes. for Puerto Rico. But then I also think about like on the other end, maybe just from like a morality standpoint or just like um just a principle standpoint, something like just rubs me the wrong way yes. about like all these rich millionaires, billionaires trying to come into a place that was like completely destroyed by a hurricane and trying to do it better when they don't know the community, they don't know the island, they have zero attachment to it. So they're just seeing it as like a way to profit and make their own money. Um, so I'm really torn about like what I think, what I think my response should really be. But, and you know, also the people in Puerto Rico, like, do they even have Bitcoin? Are they mm -hmm. even into cryptocurrency? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be going through that, you know, this new place to bring something brand new, are you going to be educated in the community on that? So I feel like there's a lot of things just to think about within that, but completely want to know what are your yes, thoughts? Yes, I feel you on that, Jasmine, because I think that there is this, um, especially for us, we embrace entrepreneurship, right? And mm -hmm. this new idea, I think crypto is a little bit a part of that, of this idea that, you know, we're creating a new system right. for the people, right? For so the people, part of decentralized. That, that we can right. get around. At the same time, though, I think my feeling I'm leaning more toward the gut and the, the second part of what you said, which is what about the people of Puerto Rico? Do they mm -hmm. even have this? And I think that is the biggest question. If we rebuild Puerto Rico, which we all know we have to do. Right. We all know there were problems before the hurricane. We all know there's room for improvement. But is it for, is it with the people who have their lives there? And for me, it's really important if we go crypto, if we go Tesla, whatever tech, you know, new nuance that you want to bring. Yes, like, okay, but make sure the people who live there, who, who have raised families, their communities, their generations there have a voice in that. And exactly. that is harder. You know, it's, it's easier said than done. That's, that's. That's the hardest part because at the end of the day, people have left. Um, so many people have left. For a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, the deaths, right? Like so mm -hmm. much. And so how do you make sure that people's voices are heard? And, and that's why it's really important now more than ever for, you know, the diaspora, Puerto Ricans on the mainland, for Puerto Ricans who stayed on the island. We should we should be a part of its future mm -hmm. um, and deciding whether crypto is is the right fit or not. You know. Yeah. All right, you guys. On that note, we are out of here. Thank you, Elizabeth, for coming Thank and you, teaching Jasmine. us and just talking about us. I, I I tell you all the time. I think you're like an angel. Like you guys don't know, Elizabeth is like heaven sent. The other day, she was like, yeah, you know, I actually. You know, I think maybe it was in high school. I used to be a Sunday teacher, a Sunday school teacher at church. And she volunteered at Soup Kitchens. I was like, girl, have you ever done anything wrong? Like, give me the dirt. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for coming. Always appreciate having you. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, people get to learn about all these great things that you're doing. Thank you. And, you know, Elizabeth is shy, but I'm going to say it anyway. She will be the future president. Thank I could bet money on it. And I don't got a lot, but I, I could bet what I have. <laughs> thank you, Jasmine. You're welcome. This has been so much fun. Yay! Thank you for coming. Deuces!